Glory to Jesus Christ, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their history, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is the story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by the iconography of Father Thomas J. Loya. Father Loya's iconography for your prayer and home devotion may be obtained by going to MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com. That's MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com. Then click on the Art and Decorative link and click on Icons in the drop-down or call 630-629-1720. Morningstar Books and Gifts, 28 West St. Charles Street, Lombard, Illinois. Glory to Jesus Christ. I'm Father Thomas Loya. You're listening to Light of the East, and I'm here with Katie Goulas on this week prior to the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ in the flesh. You'll be hearing throughout the program, as you have already, the sounds of Christmas from the chant and hymns and carols of the Byzantine Catholic Church. And you'll be hearing them on our program today, both in our native language, the native language of my church, that is Church Slavonic, and also in English. So I hope you'll enjoy that. We're kind of sprinkling that sort of spirit throughout the program today, right, Katie? That's right, Father Tom. Kind of like, like they do when you shop, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a little bit like Byzantine music playing in the background, <laughs> but a little more pleasant than the stuff that you find in the malls. And its intent is not to make you shop, but rather to make you open and anticipate the great coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in our hearts, so that it will transform our hearts and transform our lives, our families, our households, our churches, our nation, even the world, because that is the great miracle of this season. The incarnation is God becoming flesh, enfleshing himself into our reality and changing that reality, changing everything. That's why if you notice in manger scenes, or in the nativity icon, it's replete with every dimension of creation. Ever notice that? A lot of people think it's just kind of a sentimental kind of scene. You know, we've got the donkey there and the lamb and the little baby. And the, but you know what? All that stuff is very purposeful. It's actually very iconological as well as iconographical. Every element in the nativity scene or the manger scene is speaking about the fullness of this great mystery of the incarnation where God has incarnated himself in his entire cosmos, his entire creation, which changed the value of it, changes the quality of it, makes God, as we say in the Byzantine church in this time of year, makes God with us. And that's what we proclaim.
Now, on this particular Sunday, as we lead into the actual event of Christmas in the Byzantine Catholic calendar, this is a Sunday known as the Sunday of the Holy Fathers or the Sunday before Christmas. Now, last week, second Sunday before Christmas in the Byzantine calendar, we call that Sunday the Sunday of the Holy Forefathers of Christ. Now, it kind of sounds very similar, but here's how it works. Two weeks before Christmas, the two Sundays before Christmas, I should say, the Eastern churches look at the patriarchs, you know, Abraham, Jacob, Isaac, even the prophets like Daniel, the people that came before Christ, especially male figures primarily, because these were foreshadowings of Jesus Christ. They were types of the archetype. And so what we do is we kind of read back into the Old Testament, read back into the Bible now in light of the anticipation of Christ, because Christ comes into the picture and we see now who all these figures were and what they really meant, what their significance was in the Bible. Ultimately, their significance was in pointing to and foreshadowing the coming of the archetype Christ. And so we look back two weeks ago into, or two Sundays rather, two Sundays before Christmas, we look at the ancestry of Christ according to the holy patriarchs, the forefathers. Now, this Sunday, one Sunday before the nativity of our Lord, what we look at is his entire genealogy. In fact, we read the Gospel of Matthew, his long genealogy of Christ, where it keeps repeating the word 14 generations, 14 generations. It enumerates all these figures in the Old Testament, all the way from Adam all the way to Joseph, all the way up to just about the moment of Christ's birth. And in doing so, what we're looking at is not just the patriarchs, you know, the archetype, the types of the archetype, but we're looking at how God, the Father, intervened through all of human history, through all of salvation history, from the very beginning, from the beginning of Adam all the way to Joseph, in that whole lineage of Christ, how he intervened to set about the fullness, the accomplishment of the coming of Jesus Christ. In other words, we see Christ's actual biological lineage and the interesting figures that had to do with that. Some of them were glorious figures, righteous figures. Some of them were not so righteous. Some of them were very flawed figures. And there were interesting and unusual events that also transpired throughout this lineage, all pointing to one central fact, that God is the God of time, of history, of creation. And God intervened in his own world, his own time and space, in his own creation to bring about, undauntedly, to bring about the fullness of his presence on earth in the form of the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, come to the world, come into creation in the flesh. Now, during this Sunday, as is typical of our church, we express liturgically the theme. We express what we believe. And there's some very beautiful, meaningful passages in the prayers of our church during this time of year. And here's the, one of them from this Sunday of the Holy Forefathers. This is from the Vesper service. And it says this, this is what we pray. The faithful and wise youths are radiant with joy in the furnace. They herald the nativity of Christ on earth as the precious dew which the Lord sent down. Notice right there, Katie, there's a reference again to the three U's in the furnace. We're going back in the Old Testament. And yet, it's being tied to the nativity of Christ. And that's something a lot of people would not think of. But in the Eastern Church, this is exactly what we do. We go into this sort of allegorical typology, and we read back in the Old Testament, and we see in there Christ's birth, his suffering, his death, and his resurrection. All these Old Testament events and figures. And we pray that, we sort of proclaim that in our prayer. 
The faithful and God-wise youths are radiant with joy in the furnace. They herald the nativity of Christ on earth as the precious dew which the Lord sent down. He now preserves the virgin without stain and enriches her with sublime gifts. Therefore, Daniel, inspired by God, is also happy and full of joy because he had a clear vision of the unhewn stone from the mountain. He now zealously prays for our souls. You notice how many Old Testament imagery there was just in that one passage. There's another one that is very rich as well. And again, this is all from this Sunday leading up to Christmas. The virgin Theotokos, who was spoken of for ages by the prophets, has appeared on earth. The wise patriarchs and assemblies of the righteous proclaim her. The beautiful women, Sarah, Rebecca, and Rachel, Anna, and Miriam, the glorious sister of Moses, leap for joy together with them. All creation pays homage, because the God and creator of all is coming to be born in the flesh and to grant great mercy to us. This passage was denoting the great, some of the great women of the Old Testament, who again were types of the Virgin Mary. And many times because they gave birth in very unusual ways, though God interceded in his own laws of creation and kind of bent them a bit. In other words, these were sometimes women who could not bear children or it would be unusual that they should have because of their age and so on. And yet God comes into that, you know, like, like a like light slashing through the darkness, and he brings about conception. He brings about birth, just as he did with the Virgin Mary. The birth of Christ was something very, very miraculous. It was an intervention of God, the Holy Spirit, in time and space and in a human condition in a very, very profound and unusual way. God, in a sense, bending his own rules or kind of intercepting his own rules to bring about the fullness of his revelation in Jesus Christ. One of my favorite lines, though, in these prayers, it comes from the Troparian for this day. The Troparian, by the way, is a hymn or a theological kind of expose that is very common in Byzantine liturgical prayer. We have verses called Kentuckians and Troparians and other names as well. But they're basically the point is these are verses that are chanted that communicate the theme or the theology of this particular event or of the day. Here's what this troparian says for today of the Sunday of the Holy Forefathers of Christ. At that time, Mary registered with the Venerable Joseph in Bethlehem since she was of the house of David. She was with child, having conceived without seed. When the time for her delivery drew near, they could find no room in the inn, but the cave seemed a joyful palace for the queen. Now here's my favorite line, Kay. This is how it ends. Christ is born to renew the likeness that had been lost of old. So we have to remember when Christ came into the world, when God enfleshed himself, what he was doing was, he was, among many things, modeling for us, in a sense retrieving for us, as these liturgical texts say, how we were meant to be at the beginning. So we sometimes forget that we were made in the image and likeness of God. You know, Father Tom, you've always got a lot of great things to say, but why don't we listen to a little bit of music as we go to our break, and then we'll continue with our conversation when we return. That sounds good. Ooh. 
I am Father Thomas Loya. You are listening to the cries and lamentations of the Holy Father's spiritual children of the Eastern Catholic Churches in Iraq. These modern-day martyrs are experiencing a genocide at the hands of people who are seeking to purge the entire Middle Eastern world of Christianity, while the rest of the world takes little notice. Within the recent years, thousands of Eastern Catholics in Iraq have become martyrs for Christ. The rest have become refugees. Help the vulnerable children of Christ in Iraq. Now, by donating at iraqichristianrelief.org. iraqichristianrelief.org. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church has something special for your holiday table this Christmas season. Now imagine an incredibly delicious nut roll or poppy seed roll from the kitchens of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church. These ample and substantial old world treats are over a foot long made with loving care from old world recipes. Just $15 each. To order your nut roll or poppy seed roll, call 708-645-0241. That's 708-645-0241. Pick up at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church, 14610 Wilcook Road in Homer Glen, Illinois. Can't get to the church? We'll put it in the mail. Just add $5. Call 708-645-0241. That's 708-645-0241. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church Nut and Poppy Seed Rolls. For pickup directions, go to ByzantineCatholic.com. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Welcome back to Light of the East. During this preparation, this final week, as we move into the nativity of our Lord Jesus Christ in the flesh, I hope you're enjoying some of the sounds of Christmas in the Byzantine Catholic tradition, both in Slavonic and in English. You know, Katie, this is a time also for remembering Christmas past. And I'm sure you, who are born and raised in the Byzantine Catholic Church, not only in the Byzantine Catholic Church, but in the Byzantine Catholic Ruthenian Church, which is one of the Slavic-based churches, you probably have a lot of rich memories, both of church and of home, because our celebration or observance of this feast, especially this week as we come into these last few days, is very rich, isn't it? It definitely is, Father Tom. And like you were saying, I do have a lot of great memories of church and of home, but in my family, it's really hard to distinguish what the church traditions are and what the family traditions are because they've become so connected to one another that I really can't tell where one begins and one ends. For instance, when I was little, we used to go to my grandparents' house on Christmas Eve for the Holy Supper, mm-hmm. which is the traditional dinner that we that we have on Christmas Eve. And I always just thought it was something our family did until I got older and I realized in the bulletin, oh, look at Father Tom's printing stuff about the same things we do in my family. I can't believe that this is <laughs> this is all connected. And of course, when I was little, we did things at church like the Living Icon Nativity Drama, which was our mm-hmm. Christmas play that we used to do and things like that. But it was always just such a fun time and such a great time for our family to get together and share our traditions with each other. 
And speaking of the foods and traditionally supper, I'm kind of uh, smacking my lips a little bit. I hope it doesn't come out here in the radios as you're listening, because uh, our teenagers today, just this very day, mm-hmm. prepared that Holy Supper for our parish. We did. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a bit of a fundraiser, but also was also a way of them expressing and experiencing and sharing the, this tradition and being raised in it and learning it. They learned how to make pierogies and how to make the mushroom soup, and boy, it was delicious, wasn't it? It definitely was. And I, like you said, I think it's really great that we're still teaching the younger generations, um, what our church traditions are, because not everybody from our church grew up with the same ethnic background as you and I did. So we're sharing not only our ethnic traditions, but also our church traditions with the newer generations who may not be as familiar with it so that they can pass it on to their families. Yes. And the point is, Katie, as you say, especially for newer people who have come to our church, is that it's not that we're trying to make you ethnic. Right. It's not the ethnic per se. It's rather the fact that we are sharing with you or helping you to immerse yourself into the genius of this church, which is all about integration and symbolism. In other words, the way we eat, the way we worship, the way we pray, everything is all together. One of the great geniuses of the Eastern Church, and of course that's our point of our program, the this program, Lay of the East, is to share the riches of the church, East and West, primarily the riches of the Eastern Church. One of those great riches, great genius of the Eastern Church, is this integration. St. John Chrysostom called this the domestic church. In other words, what happens in liturgy, the things that you say and pray, which in itself is integrated, you know, the art, the icons, the incense, the liturgical text, the rhythm, the music, all that works together. What happens there is then stretched into, in a sense, it's like you, you take pieces of that into your home and into your lives, so that what happens in home is you do things that are reflective of church. Like church, has, of course, at its heart, this incredible Eucharistic banquet, as it were, the Eucharist. Well, so too at home, especially during Christmas time and Christmas Eve with the Holy Supper, the tradition of the Holy Supper, we also gather around a specific meal. Not just the fact that we're around a meal, but it's a certain kind of meal. And that meal has things like a table that is laden with straw, that is put either on top of or underneath a white cloth. And you can imagine what that's symbolic of, what that draws you into. It draws you right into the manger scene. You have the Christ child born in a manger, a feeding trough for animals. So you have straw there. You have the whiteness to show his purity and how he is wrapped in the swaddling clothes. You have a candle on the table, which symbolizes the light of Bethlehem that the astrologers followed and that the, you know, the wise men saw in the sky. And then you have certain foods such as garlic and honey. <laughs> in which you take mm. a piece of the garlic. Yeah, it's one of my favorites, although people don't seem to like me afterwards. I never forget this one story. I was, of course, during Christmas Eve, a lot of people come to confession. You know, we have the, the, the wonderful supper. And then, uh, of course, I prepare for the services. A lot of times I'm sitting in the confessional. I never forget this one time. I had come from one of these wonderful meals and I'm in the confessional and hearing confessions. And one of these men who was, I guess, being very honest since he was confessing things, as he was leaving, after I gave him absolution, says to me, Oh, by the way, Father, you really smell. <laughs> I was going to call him back for more penance. <laughs> what he meant, though, was I had been eating the garlic. And what we do is take a clove of garlic, which symbolizes the bitterness of sin, you know, the darkness of the world that Christ had to come into to redeem. But we take that bitter herb and we dip it into a honey, which, of course, symbolizes Christ coming into the world. And it kind of offsets the bitterness of the garlic, at least in its taste, but apparently not in its uh, smell. Anyway, there's other things that we eat at this meal. One of those is a mushroom soup, because it's, again, the meal is based upon 
a fasting meal. In other words, a meatless mm-hmm. dish, meatless meal. And I think only we Byzantine Catholics, Katie, can take a meal that's supposed to be a fasting penitential meal and actually design it with 12 courses. Exactly. And to make it so so much like a sumptuous feast in and of yes. itself. I mean, it's something that I definitely look forward to every year. I don't think of it as something... Um, oh, geez, I'm giving up meat today or something. Right. No, it's not, you know, I've been like fasting all day and I can't wait to go to dinner that night because it's some of my favorite ethnic foods. Yes, and this mushroom soup we talk about, it's supposed to be a soup that's very simple. It's usually a mushroom, a little bit of barley or, mm-hmm. or perhaps rice. Some people put a little bit of sauerkraut in it, make just a little bit sour. But it's interesting though, that what's important is the mushrooms. And the mushrooms that we've always used in my family growing up come from Slovakia. And those are the best. For some reason, I, we can't get mushrooms that taste like that except from that part of the world. And so it's kind of neat because it connects us with our our relatives, you know, mm-hmm. our patrimony, because we know that they're having that same kind of meal back in our country of origin, and we're having the same thing here. And those mushrooms kind of unite us with that with that heritage. But they, it really is delicious. As you say, you might think, well, mushroom soup. Now, not cream of mushroom. Right. It's not mm-hmm. a creamy soup because, again, it's a fasting soup. And it, you might think, well, gee, what's so big about that? But you know what? It tastes incredible. There's mm-hmm. something about it because of the context, as you say. It's a holy supper. We call it the Holy Supper. And the family gathers around. We sing carols. We pray. We have the light of the candle. And we do so in anticipation then of going to church later on for the great celebration in the liturgical banquet, as it were, with the newborn Jesus Christ. That's right, Father Tom. My grandpa always tells this story about how back in the older days of the church, and I'm sure there's probably some churches that still carry on this tradition, they would have this like traveling play called the Bethlehem Carolers. And it would be uh, usually a group of guys would get together and they would go from house to house and they would put on this little play about the shepherds that were on their way to Bethlehem to kind of encourage people to go to church that night. And they would sing songs and, like I said, put on this little play. And then at the end, they would sing a song about oh, you know, we've put on this great play for you, and now if you don't give us um, a treat in return, we're going to break all your pots and pans. And so then <laughs> the, you know, mom and dad of the house would give them a little treat. And I would always ask him, you know, what kind of a treat would it be? You know, would you get like chocolate or, you know, hot cocoa? And he said, no, usually vodka. <laughs> and so then, then by the end of the night, by the time they got to midnight mass, he said, they all sang very, very loudly. <laughs> And speaking of singing, Katie, why don't we just end our program today with a special gift from all of us here at Light of the East. We bring to you the sounds of this upcoming beautiful Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. And from all of us here, from Armin, our brilliant engineer and producer. Yes, hello. To Katie Goulis and myself, Father Thomas Loya, we wish you all of you a most blessed Christmas. As we say in the Byzantine Church, Christ is born, glorify him. I'm Father Thomas Loya here with Katie Goulis on Light of the East.
Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To find out more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue this program with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount would be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K, Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. From the light of the east, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God bless you and grant you many happy years. CRI, Catholic Radio International.com.